0: Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this compilation episode of Can't Find My Way Home, we're going to hear three top fives from season one. For one reason or another, it could have been me forgetting, It could have just been, yeah, probably me forgetting, actually. Uh, We're going to hear from three guests and uh, yeah, you're going to hear all their top fives. I'm actually working on another project at the moment and we should have that episode ready for next week. In this episode, you'll also hear from Trevor and Chris who were calling in from Brunei, Justin Jardin who was calling in from Hamburg and Zara Jan who was calling from London. I've added all of their details into the show notes, so please check out their work and uh, enjoy the show. Cheers. Justin, top five. You ready? I'm ready. Guilty pleasure. Someone you shouldn't like, but you do.
1: This is a tough one. I can't really think of anything that I'm ashamed to listen to, but I would say that there are probably a lot of people who might be embarrassed to admit that ACDC kicks ass? So um, it's not a guilty pleasure, but <laughs> if it's your guilty pleasure, uh, it shouldn't be. You should just acknowledge that they that they rock. Are you more a fan of the
0: Bon Scott era, or are you a, a bit of both? A bit of Brian? I
1: think I'm more of a Brian guy, to be honest.
0: They were a bit more polished during that that era, that phase. Yeah, no if polished is totally the right that. word, you know.
1: I mean. Back in Black was the first album that I I think I listened to as a kid that kind of pointed me in a more guitar-oriented direction.
0: Well, it has one of the best opening tracks and opening intros to a song, right? With the Hell's Bells.
1: Yeah. It's also my first concert, so I think I have more of a personal connection to Brian Johnson than Bon Scott, but I love that stuff too.
0: What did you think when they went into the... Axel Rose, when he's—I think he finished the tour with him. I, I can't really remember how it went, but he played a lot with them.
1: Was he? Did he have his broken foot then too? Was it, <laughs>
0: yeah, there was he, a whole he's, surreal he's, thing going on? Yes, he was just kind of trying to copy Dave Grohl in his throne or whatever. I don't know. It was all a bit surreal, you know.
1: I could see where they're, with, you know, what like listening to you know Guns N' Roses hits. Like I could see how that voice might work. How it's kind of similar to Brian Johnson's and that kind of high pitch. kind of yell type thing but he's just such an asshole
0: (laughs) definitely I think that's the whole persona he when he was still Guns N' Roses right before they reformed but it was only really him and Slash and Mm -hmm. uh, Duff McKagan I think but when when they weren't in the band, they, they played in Seoul and uh, yeah, I didn't go and see them because I thought yeah, he's an asshole for that very reason because and of course he turns up an hour late for the show or he's backstage and it's an hour and something before he, I mean this was just normal, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, but you know what? When I saw AC/DC, they also this is obviously well before well before Axl Rose. This was back in two thousand, I think. They did have to cancel the original date. They said that. I think they said that Brian Johnson was sick, but I heard from somebody who heard from somebody who works at the hotel (laughs) that they're staying at that, that somebody just got a little bit too wasted. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so, just a bit it can happen to ACDC too but you know I'll, I'll forgive him okay. you know, I, was 10, Imagine. I was 10 years old it was my first concert they were my favorite band and I was you know looking forward to the concert for months and then you know that morning it was cancelled like
0: that it was like okay. <laughs> canceling Christmas forward
1: to for the past however many months I think they had a replacement date like 10 days later, so I don't have to wait too long. Is the original opening band for the original date was supposed to be Slash's Snake Pit? <laughs> Remember that?
0: Yeah, this is, this is even before Velvet Revolver, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think I knew any of their songs. I still don't know any.
0: No, of their me songs, too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: But it's Slash, everybody knows Slash. He would have been kind of fun to see.
0: I think this is when he was just going kind to of start out on his own, yeah, because he did that. His first solo album, he had like all the kind of, he had Ian Asbury playing on it and. I think Lemmy was on it and there was a whole bunch of, uh, the guy from Wolf Mother. Yeah, right. And then he got settled down with Miles, the altar bridge guy, who's also a really good front man. Who should we be listening to and why, Justin? Tell us someone that maybe we're not familiar with, but you're about to enlighten us.
1: I don't know who you should be listening to, but I mentioned Gillian Welch and Dave Rawlings earlier. They'll always be a favorite of mine. Gillian's songwriting and, and Dave's guitar playing just, uh, how they incorporate kind of ugly, dissonant brown notes into beautiful music. It's amazing. Uh, Clarence White is a guitar player, was a guitar player. He died in the 70s, early 70s. He was hit by a drunk driver. And he was, I don't know, I think he was like 29 or something like that, super young. But he played guitar with the birds. And so he's credited, him and the drummer for the birds at the time are credited with a uh, I shouldn't just say credited. They did invent uh, what's called the B-Bender, which is, it's it's a contraption that they built into Clarence White's Telecaster that essentially just pulls the, or bends the B-string uh, up a full note. So you can kind of get a, like a pedal steel sound out of it. Uh, Cause that's one of the, that's one of the bends that, um, that one of the pedals on the pedal steel do. And so he, he invented this entirely new style of playing uh, by being able to bend uh, the B string without these are basically bends that would be impossible to do with your finger. It's just it, it's just too hard to do, and it's it's built into the strap button. It's hard to explain, but you pull down on the neck and and it pulls a series of levers and contraptions inside the guitar that just um, yeah that pulls the B string up one note, and so you can have these similar chord transitions that you would have on in pedal steel.
0: I um, bet you they had fun putting that together, right? Lots of uh, late nights over uh, over a few drinks, maybe, and kind of taking things apart and putting them together again, and seeing how it, see yeah, how it worked. Well, the out.
1: story was is is Clarence White, you know, he. I mean, even before that, he was a phenomenal uh, folk rock and bluegrass guitar player. Um, he would, you know, there's a trick where you can, where you can uh, push down on the string behind the nut on the neck and have, have the string kind of bend that way, but he wasn't really able to do that if he was playing higher up on the neck. And the drummer, Gene Parsons, he's a machinist. And, and I think he, he's like, well, I might be able to help you out with that. Uh, so he took Clarence's guitar, like an old Telecaster from, they did this in 1969, I think. So, I mean, it would have been an already a you know a super old Telecaster. And so Clarence White cut a block of wood out of it to install, I think I think he used normal pedal steel parts. Yeah, so he cut out this block of wood and brought it to Clarence White. Showed him, yeah, here's your Telecaster. It's uh, you've reached the point of no return. <laughs> it worked out. I mean, it's it's such a historic guitar. And you know what? The thing is, the guy who owns that guitar right now is oh, what's his name? Uh, Marty Stewart, famous country singer, guitar player in his own right. He was gifted to him by uh, by Clarence White's widow not gifted it i think uh, i think she just said uh name your price and he left her a blank check because he knew how much it was worth and uh and he's come through to this venue in stoughton where i used to work and so i could have been up close and personal with that guitar could have been
0: in the presence of the very but thing i had
1: no idea
0: <laughs> <laughs> if, if only you just think what's this guy on you
1: so those are my two guitar People right now, Dave Rawlings and Clarence White. But I've gotten in a Robert Earl Keane, who's a really great storyteller recently. And I also want to plug an album by The High Women, which is a, a super group that put out their first album last year. It's got Amanda Shires, who we talked about earlier.
0: Uh, I saw the promo they did for this. Like they put out a, a video before they did an album yeah. or so. But yeah, go on, tell us about it.
1: Yeah, it's got Amanda Shires, it's got Brandy Carlisle, and I don't actually know the other two people's names, but they put out this album. The high women is, uh, it's all woman supergroup, And it's based on, or the name anyways, based on the highway men, which was an all male country supergroup in the, was it the seventies, eighties? I don't even know. It was Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, uh, I think Waylon one.
0: Jennings and,
1: and yeah, Waylon Jennings, something like that. And, and so basically these amazing musicians, Said you know, women aren't getting enough representation in country music, and there's a lot of really good women playing music, and they put together this this high women band. The very first song, the the title track, features um, a couple other musicians. Yo, uh, Yola is one, actually. I think she's the only guest musician on that track, but it's just so good. So that's that's another one that,
0: that excellent, definitely worth checking out, and some great players as well, right in their own right.
1: Yeah, Jason Isbell plays on it. I think they use Brandy Carlisle's band, or at least her drummer.
0: I have one for you actually. A band called Steelism. Steelism. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I have heard of them, but I never uh, I never really listened to them.
0: I heard of this band years ago when I was uh, I I worked on a radio program in South Korea, and I played this song on one of the shows I did there, and uh, I I couldn't remember the name of the band, so I looked it up the other day, and I had a a good listen to some other back catalog. It's great.
1: I'll check that out. Steel isn't caught in the pickle. Did you play music in South Korea?
0: I did, yeah, for, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. For most of the time I was there, I played in original bands and for a long time I played in a Stones cover band, a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, but uh, we, we played Yeah, almost every weekend. It was definitely more of a live scene as well. And some great players there. So some of the guys have been on the podcast. Not many, but there's some more coming up. Who would you like to collaborate with and why?
1: I mean, I'd really like the opportunity to just play more pedal steel in maybe a more traditional pedal steel context. So whoever that would be, I'm not really sure. But uh, I guess I'd like to collaborate with them. I was supposed to actually... um, play pedal steel with this guy, Jack Grelly, country musician from, uh, from St. Louis. He was going to be coming through Europe and doing a festival in Hamburg. And, and the guy who books all the country shows in Hamburg is is a friend of mine. And, and I think Jack Grelli was going to be touring with, I think just his bass player who was going to be playing violin on that tour or something like that. And, um, and so for this festival in Hamburg, they wanted to do a full band show. And so the promoter was putting together a band and I was practicing really hard for it. Then it all got canceled.
0: <laughs> Man, that's a bummer. Any, any plans for that to be resur- resurrected some point?
1: Yes. The festival is happening next year with the exact same lineup. I don't know if he'll be bringing his own band this time or not, but we'll see.
0: Uh, next question i have for you i've actually used the kind of korean name for it but we'll just use the plain old japanese name because that works just as well what's your go-to karaoke song justin
1: you sent me this list and i, I you're
0: I like what's that bang?
1: i had to google it i'm like is that a scott thing like, <laughs> cause,
0: yeah because i know that i read it back and i thought yeah i guess he doesn't know what this is right so he's like How what's this guy Sorry, bang? noribang yeah it okay. literally translates as a singing room
1: singing room okay is that like people like get their own private karaoke room, like you see in the movies?
0: That's exactly it, man. It's uh, they don't do it in the Western sense of you humiliate yourself in front of all and sundry. You kind of go into your own room with your friends or coworkers and whatnot and uh, let it all out.
1: I think half the fun's in humiliating yourself in front of. Them.
0: Right, exactly.
1: My go-to song is "How Will I Know" by Whitney Houston, which is way out of my range. I can't do it, but but I do it anyway.
0: I was not expecting that, but that's sure, yeah, it's
1: actually <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> there was a karaoke bar in in Freiburg, this uh, where I did my year abroad, and I think they had karaoke every week. And if you sang a song, you got a drink ticket, so you got a free shot.
0: Oh, there's your incentive right there.
1: Especially when you're twenty, twenty-one years old, and you're <laughs> starting to really. <laughs> go out and drink and uh, also don't have any money and i remember one night i went with some friends and i think i probably sang like three songs that night very last song i sang with a friend we did paradise by the dashboard lights by meatloaf which is just the fucking worst if you're <laughs> if you're not the one singing it it's it's,
0: it's really long as well yeah really long.
1: And and my voice was just shot by that point. (laughs) Not that it matters, but I mean,
0: you're losing the way to live, yeah.
1: But it was it was shot, and I was just screaming into the microphone. (laughs) and i walked down to the to the to the host or whoever it was and to get my drink ticket and he just kind of reluctantly handed it to me
0: (laughs) you're like thanks buddy here's here's me bearing all right deal (laughs) yeah well well, that's gratitude for you oh i mean some of the some of the karaoke experiences you see The, the thing in in south korea Uh, Japan, I don't really know much about, but in South Korea, you go into the room, it's just reverb central and there's a tambourine. And of course the person who picks up the tambourine is the one person in the room that does it on the one and the three. (laughs) So it's just, it's just your nemesis, right? You know, you're just kind of sitting there and you're like, oh, so you have to have a few drinks to kind of get over that. If you can get over that bit, you'll do fine.
1: Where was it uh, in, it just made me think of uh, in, in Denmark it's apparently very common uh, for the audience to start clapping to the beat without really knowing what they're doing. <laughs> I, I saw Willie Watson up there like I think in November and and you know we'd heard about this or somebody had heard about this and and told us and sure enough, uh, the entire audience starts clapping and and not everybody knows exactly when to clap. <laughs>
0: Oh, that could make things a bit interesting.
1: I don't know if it was so bad that it was uh, that it was just on the one and the three, but uh, yeah, it's not always a good idea to have the audience or or your karaoke room.
0: Dustin, yeah. <laughs> what's a a favorite venue or a best venue they've played at. I'm guessing that this is uh, you've played in a lot of places, big and small. What's one of your favorites?
1: See some of the most meaningful venues would have been when I was cutting my teeth in uh, in punk bands back in Wisconsin. The very first venue I started going to was a warehouse called called Mierda Verde, which of course means green shit in Spanish. There is this awesome mural on the wall behind where the bands would play. Like a purple shit demon. Holding like a roll of toilet paper that said "Mira Verde" on it. I almost got that tattooed. Glad I didn't. But yeah, that was uh, that was um, yeah, just a really important venue in my life because saw a ton of bands there, and and also a lot of bands played there. Who, you know, this is just a. Old warehouse that we weren't even allowed to have shows there. Like the cops shut it down because some journalists wrote an article about it saying, Hey, here's underage drinking and it's a fire hazard. And, uh, right.
0: It's, it's a den of iniquity and all that stuff, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and, uh, these young people, they should be at home. And
1: the journalist actually, this is back in the MySpace days. And I had just gotten back from like my first tour ever, I think. And I'd written like a blog post or whatever they were called on, on, on MySpace, and and the journalist had reached out to a bunch of us to interview us for this article, and we all just kind of told him, "Man, eh, it's not so much of a good idea. Maybe you shouldn't do that." And he like took my blog post and quoted it in his article after I told him, "I don't think you should write this article." <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the article started something like, "Like you know, when I started doing research in this article and uh, and reached out to the people who." were involved in this place i kept hearing no you shouldn't write this article and that's how i knew i had to or something really <laughs> stupid like that and it's like yep you got the big story right there uh, a fucking <laughs> small <punk laughs> U- down everybody's interested in that <laughs> you got the you got the story yeah. there. Give them the
0: poll. i'm sure he's moved on to was that a, i'm sure the journalist has moved on to bigger and bigger and better things as they say and so it's it's a little petty attitude to take when a people are channeling their energy in a more positive way, but some don't maybe see it like that.
1: Yeah. And the thing is a week later, the fire department showed up and saw that it wasn't up to code. And of course there's all these issues with, you know, whether or not we had a license and kind of, it, it got shut down because of that. Argument. But yeah, a lot of bands played there who, who went on to like kind of big, like municipal waste, Baroness. Those are the two I can think of right now, but yeah, a lot of really good bands. Yeah. I mean, it's just a makeshift venue that, uh, you know, that was really important to me.
0: How about we take a top five? Trevor, tell us a guilty pleasure. Someone we, you shouldn't like, but you do.
2: I don't know if there's anybody that I shouldn't like. I mean, if it grooves, it grooves, right? But there are things that have surprised me that I like. Justin Timberlake comes to mind. So my last band, uh, Before Mamas has played the song called Can't Stop the Feeling, And it's actually pretty funky, you know, like seeing as he came from a boy band, he's someone that I really wouldn't have expected to like, but he's actually quite talented. Uh, And he did a nice soulful duet with like uh, uh, some guy called Tennessee Whiskey.
0: Uh, I kind of think that he's
2: done this boy band stuff because he makes money.
0: Chris Stapleton was the Tennessee Whiskey.
2: Yeah, so I sort of, you know, there's a, a lot of people that I like and I can like almost any style of music. So there's some that I don't listen to as much. But yeah I suppose you could call that a maybe a guilty pleasure because I actually really like that song can't uh, can't stop the feeling
3: Chris yourself I, I feel the same if I like it I like it. i don't want to feel bad if anything wobbles that music wobbly bit that you've got inside you it's all good say so when I'm driving people around in the car me listening to Obi Trice just raise a few eyebrows but it, it it hits me you know in in, in the same place that Definitely hits me, but I have to add, not as hard. <laughs> or maybe not quite as, not, yes, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> it, just, it, it tickles that same wobbly right. bit inside.
0: It's like to quote the the tie, uh, the T-shirt you see in Thailand and these kind of market styles, same, same, but different.
3: Different, <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's one for the kids. Trevor, who should we be listening to and why? Tell us someone that is maybe not on our radar, but you would like to bring it to the fore.
2: There's a band that I don't think they're still together anymore, but if you can find it, they were called Eyes for Telescopes. They were a local band from my hometown, and I used to play in one of my first bands. Their guitar player was in that band. So uh, it's probably on the internet somewhere, right? Everything is. So Eyes for Telescopes, they were an awesome band. Um, you
0: might have to tell us the name of your hometown or we could be there for a while searching on the internet.
2: It was Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, Canada.
0: Fantastic. There we and, go. That's, and, that's and, what we yeah, need.
2: Yeah. Listen to local stuff that nobody's ever heard of because there's so much great stuff out there.
0: This is
3: also true. Yeah? You know? And Chris, same question for you. Okay, what should we listen to now? I'm coming this as a guitar player. What we should be listening to is Gary Moore, Steve Ray Vaughan, these guys, the guys who made that guitar speak. I see a lot of a lot of players on YouTube now, and they, they, they shred. They shred incredibly well. They're technically so much better than I could ever hope to be, but they don't speak to their audience in the same way that Gary Moore and Steve Ray Vaughan, and these guys really used to communicate. Right. Um, it's, it's the expressiveness of that. It's the expression. Um, I, I think um, recently, guitar playing, it's like recently, I mean, back from the 80s when I was learning, um, there were a lot of people that made guitar playing a spectacle, a, a phenomenon, a, a circus trick. <laughs> but unless you can catch that right note at that right time, for your audience to go, oh, it doesn't really count. Some of this,
0: eyes. some of this stuff you see on YouTube is phenomenal. I mean, you're right. Some of the, whether they be drummers, blues, but any kind of musician you see now, and of course the age of them, right? They're just out of nappies and all that, right? They're just kids. Yeah, and, it's just a uh,
3: four-year-old Chinese girl spreading <laughs> the hell out of this guitar. It's incredible
2: to see, but it's not incredible to hear. Correct. Mm. There are sometimes of those people that have the amazing chops, but they also have the soul. You know, like uh, I, I love the Herbie Hancock album Headhunters. You know, mm-hmm. and they're all uh-huh. people at the top of their game, but it seriously grooves. You know, yeah, some important balance to find. I mean, like these guys. But I, I,
3: I listen to um, Steve Ray Vaughan playing Little Wing. It's already soulful, already mm. bluesy. there's a passage in there where he shreds so hard and it stops and it, it, it's just part of his musical vocabulary it's something that he can do mm. but he doesn't do very much because it's not nice to listen to that to me is being a very able musician who understands music, very o- able to technically. We
0: often say this about blues guitar players, just to kind of go off on a slight tangent, it's blues guitar players looks the easiest, and it probably sounds the easiest to the mm-hmm. naked ear, as it were, but it's probably the most difficult to get that expressive thought because these are
3: your hands that are playing it. It's the hands of that guitar yeah, player. Yeah, absolutely, Yeah, but it's it's not technically amazing, it's uh, it's not technically difficult, it's, I don't know, um, emotionally difficult. Um, Rory Gallagher, that man could make you cry with the five notes of that pentatonic scale. Very hard to explain.
2: I was just gonna say, there's that one one song, although John Bonham was a great drummer, there's that one song, I think it's called Poor Tom, and all he's doing is bass drum and hi-hats. Oh, and it just it sounds so awesome,
0: but it grooves. How about we move on to the next one then? Uh, Chris, I'll let you take this one. Who would be in your ultimate rock trio? You can be in the band or
3: not? I guess this is... a. Uh- you sent this to me a few days ago and I, I'm giving a lot of thought. I won't be in the band, but I will be happy to stand in at any point. <laughs> okay, right. um, on, on guitar, I'm going Steve Vai. just because of his weirdness in his own music and his versatility in playing music with anybody else. Drums, we just mentioned, John Bonham. I've never heard about a drummer. No, it's and, hard to kind of uh, 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 argue with that, it I mean, Yeah, exactly. And um, Lemmy. <laughs> That's Just because... Well, you need someone to sing Lemmy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Lemmy because Lemmy. Oh, that'd be it for me. We, we need Lemmy's vocal, I, I think, on most things. I think the other two guys would be up for that as well, you know? Yeah, there are very few songs wouldn't be made better by... <laughs> in in my opinion. Run Run Rudolph. If you've not heard it, do, do find it.
0: It's a Christmas I'm classic. Run
3: Run Rudolph. Great Christmas classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
0: that's that's your trio, quite uh, quite loud and quite feisty, I would say. Chris,
3: Trevor, are there you going? Go.
0: You yeah. going
2: for a similar vibe? Um, I don't know. I might want to try to like uh, throw some people together from like different styles and just see what comes out. You know, like maybe get the keyboard player uh, from Pink Floyd, and uh, uh, maybe for drums get like the guy from Tool or something, or <laughs> or, or you know, just like. And then like for, you know, and and just, you something, and something different, like get like on, on bass or something uh, that doesn't leave any room for drums. Well, so obviously so. let me still let me still let me. <laughs> still let me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Let, let one size uh, fits uh, right actually, in all, in all honesty for drums, I would probably go with either uh, Steve Gadd or there's this guy, uh, Tom Campbell. He's a jazz drummer. Uh, I have a videotape of uh, Dizzy Gillespie uh, live in Redondo Beach. He's got such a nice Mm groove. So one of those two guys on drums for bass. I don't know. Somebody somebody can groove and funk no, you've already got your Lemmy. Lemmy can be in your trio. <laughs> in my trio, I'm going to say... I think
0: we, we just say Adam Clayton from U2 because it's the same four notes over and over again. And they all work, <laughs> right? <So it's... laughs> sure. And
2: then this okay. way you sure. can have the tool drummer yeah. doing the kind of okay. Danny okay. Carey doing these. That's awesome. It's <laughs> the illusion of bass, isn't it? It's the illusion of bass. But see what he comes out with. Oh, How about how about, um, how about about Getty Lee? But tell him he's, he's not allowed to play anything... That's at all like rush. Like, I want to hear people doing something that they've never done before or, you know, Angus Young I want to hear him play jazz you know what I mean like something like that I want to I want to throw people from really weird uh, different things together that have never I, I, you'd never think <laughs> play together and see what the hell they come up with I
0: think that's a I'm good idea not, but I, a, I just couldn't listen to it man if you saw Angus Young like <laughs> just kind of turn up with a little guitar and
3: <laughs> and then I would just oh, I mean, just yeah I don't know man That would take the window he's my the man who made me pick up a guitar in the first place Angus Young I loved it that performance
0: that because <laughs> Getty Lee actually did a book book of the big beautiful basses. Yeah, right. Uh, I can't I forget the title, but yeah. it's this like the history of the bass. But he collected. Yeah, yeah. If, I think he collected all of them because he obviously has a few yeah, yeah. quid uh, laying yeah. around. And he interviewed
2: and, a lot of. Yeah, he like, went and spoke
0: to other bass players and really yeah, got into yeah, like the... the guy from the Who and
2: all the all the big big names and stuff.
0: So yeah, that's an interesting concept. I think like when you have this, uh, you're in the band or not, but. I think uh, I, I agree with Chris. It might be better just not to be in the band, but be a an enthusiastic lackey at the side of the stage. You know, kind of a
3: catching Was and staring. If I could, if I could do the rest of my life as Steve Vai's lackey understudy. <laughs> no, not lackey, not understudy. But oh, when when I can't play, they call me. I'd, I'd be very happy with that. You're um, ready to go. Sadly, um, <laughs> that that would never happen. It wouldn't work. We live in
2: That's hope. Sad. <laughs> Trevor, what's your go-to karaoke song? Are you much of a singer? A little bit. Come Together by The Beatles. I kill it. Literally? Metaphorically? How does it work? I, no, I, I think I do it well. Uh, I've always gotten good uh, good feedback from it. It's sort of, <laughs> I, I, I can sing, but I got to pick something that's sort of in my, you know, I, I, I don't have this big range or anything, you know, so like I can sing my original stuff because I'm not trying to sing in a way that I can't sing. But Come Together fits in there well. I can sing that pretty good or uh, Babe, I'm going to leave you. Of course, I'm no Robert Plant, but I can do, uh, I like singing that.
3: <laughs> Chris, how about you? Do you sing and play guitar uh, in the band or are you um, more a guitar player? I, I, I sing occasionally. I'm an occasional singer. I, I, I sing the songs. Early. I have a very important pitch. My, my karaoke choice is always "That's Life," the Sinatra number. In 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 my teens, maybe I heard Dave Lee Roth sing it in a way that really astonished me. And nobody knows that track, so I will imitate that I'd always a and always wear a T shirt at karaoke.
0: On a slight tangent, I saw Dave Lee Roth probably must have been late eighties, early nineties, maybe late eighties, uh-huh. and he was Which rubbing. Store? Oh, yeah, this is the one I can't remember. It might have been the California Girls era, or it might have been the album after
3: that. It was awful. It was. Uh... I, 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 I saw him at the NEC in Birmingham. I, I can't remember which tour. He, it, it could have been Eatman Smile. he he just left Van Halen. He had Steve Vai as a guitar player. And
2: Billy Sheehan um, on bass,
3: right? Yes, Billy Sheehan on bass and they were awesome, musically not really my thing, but as a show, a spectacle, as a piece of circus in that place, which is essentially a circus tent. Oh, it was phenomenal. One of the best live shows I've ever seen.
0: The, the, see, this might have been the same tour. Just for the not. show. This this was in Glasgow in the SECC, so the same kind of idea, like these soulless so, buildings not really designed for for gigs and all that. But uh, he was having problems was, with the sound. I, I, and' is the bit, same. Yep. Yeah, it's just a big concrete block. Eh? He was doing a lot of whinging to the the sound guys because it was just. I think it was the first night, maybe of the world tour, or definitely of the European tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was just for, he was just throwing a tantrum every. 30 seconds. It was actually quite funny, but it took away from the performance because I was quite
3: looking forward to. it. I, I remember seeing I think it was saying I think it was still the NEC, I remember seeing Deep Purple. It was one of their reunion tours. They, they played okay and we, we could recognize the songs so we could and then then in the middle of the show, Richie Blackmore did his guitar solo thing, which at the time seemed incredible because there's there's a guy Playing guitar and everybody's listening. And, and he had this weird quadraphonic kind of circular sound effect. So he's mindless <activist singing> that he was doing, but round and round and round and round.
2: Maybe he was playing um, through like a Leslie or a Hammond kind of the, the organ kind of speakers do that. Uh, have that thing. Hard
3: to say. The, the thing that stood in my head most was. With, with, the whole of the audience stood there, behind the seats, because we were in front of the seats, because we were all seated in anything. The girl in front of me was sick on the floor. Then somebody stole my programme. That's, that's, that's not connected. And, and then he, Richard Blackmore, went off stage in a, in a marred. A bit surreal. You know, and yeah, just very, very odd. You're going to see a legend. I don't know. You should never meet your legends, or maybe ever see your legends on their final tour
0: indeed this is one of the the great disappointments in life eh, when you're really looking forward to I have a similar story about going to see Eric Clapton Uh, I saw Eric Clapton in in Seoul a few years ago not that long ago five years ago or something but he actually played most of the concerts sitting down because I guess he was having back problems and Steve Steve Gad was playing drums and so this is a true story right so we go in and uh, we'd actually played a, a gig the night before, done in Kwangju, uh, Trevor. You'll know where this is, right? Then yeah, in the south of the country, come yeah. back up in the train. The <laughs> next Ju- Kwangju, Kwangju, Korea, in, in South Korea, yeah. And he was playing in Seoul on okay. the Sunday afternoon. And I only been uh, that once. Yeah, uh, we go to the show, and we were we were seated on the floor, and then behind us are the kind of the. I don't know what you would call them. The cheap seats. Let's call it that. (laughs) And there's there's this this kid sitting in front of me and he's wearing a guitar case on his back. Right. So I get him. He's like a kid. He's maybe what? 18, let's say. And uh, yeah, he comes in. He follows us in and he comes in. He sits down in front of me. He takes the guitar case off. Right. So it's not in the way. But he comes in, and I don't know whether this is a intended it's <laughs> to Harry Clutton or whatever. But this kid actually fell asleep for most of the concert, <laughs> so he, he woke up. And, 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 and I, like, you, you now have that guitar at home, <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of have the double memento, you know. So I was like, no, I, I didn't go all Glasgow on him, Chris. I kind of I let him keep the guitar. Just these clothes and his money we took. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, no, this is not a musical thing, but uh, have you ever been to that uh, the full moon party on Koh Phan Yang in Thailand? No. It's like they have it like during the full moon. There's like yeah. whatever, 10,000 people show up on the beach. And I'm walking down the beach and I see this guy laying on the beach, passed out, butt naked. And on his back, it just says Robo. And I'm just <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like, I could just... Uh, I just I I don't know whether he passed out there naked or he passed out naked and his friend said let's put him on the beach. But uh, Chris,
0: only you, only you have a draw of your cigarette. Uh, Trevor, tell us uh, since we're around the kind of the, the theme of venues and so on. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Do you have
0: a favorite venue you've played at or you've been to gigs at.
2: I think one of my favorite venues to play was actually Freebird in uh, in Hongdae in Seoul. They always had a great sound system, a nice drum that drum set there. You know, yeah. You know, uh, and they had a sound guy. I liked playing there. Uh, actually, that show you organized, uh, the one uh, where there was uh, all Stones and Beatles songs. You had a bunch of bands all come in and played. I remember yeah. playing there and there were so many people. And uh, that was a good place to play. Yeah. Uh, we,
0: we, yeah. we did quite well, Those There was two separate gigs, two separate years, but we did quite well, though, both yeah. Those both yeah. those nights. And you're yeah. right, yeah. They, they always <laughs> did a nice job with the sound and yeah. gear and all that kind of stuff. So, so you, you two have played together before? Not at the same we've been time? On the same,
2: we've been on the same <laughs> okay, bill okay. a few times, right? Because we played in the same sort of music scene in soul. And some of the guys I played with played in Craig's band. So there was different times where there'd be like many bands playing the same night. So we've definitely played in the same oh, okay. place on yeah, the same definitely... night, but not in the same band <laughs> right. that I can think of.
3: Chris, how about you? You've been around uh, how... uh, venues, I imagine. Oh, a fair few. Uh, my my favourite one with this band has been... Uh, we, we played a wedding reception. Um, you know, to, to be a wedding reception band is not a great thing in terms of status. But um, we we, we played this place, a very kind of highly prestigious place in Brunei. We, we stood in front of the band who couldn't make it. And we, we, we rocked that show. And that's how... Um, the whole Dolores thing came up. A guy who happened to be from Limerick heard the song and said, "Oh God, yeah, we, we really like this, and we would like to um, promote it there." Um, I, I enjoy every time I play. It's not necessarily about the best one; it's just every time I play, unless we're dying on our ass like we did last time, Trevor. <laughs>
2: My birthday party I, I that wasn't it. a gig. It was a, it was just a party <laughs> where we played some music. We we didn't we didn't bother to rehearse yeah, or anything.
3: The, it was the following <laughs> band that killed us. That uh, no, but anyway, I, I just love to play to people. If if I can play something and somebody goes and has a boogie, that's great. I love that. Doesn't matter how many people it's for. If somebody enjoys what we do, that's just a buzz.
2: And my, I ha- we haven't played with Mamas yet. And maybe if the pandemic ends, maybe we can get a gig there. But uh, Ming's Cafe in Miri, Malaysia. Played there a few times. I I liked it because they don't. I hope we can before I
3: leave. Yeah, Yeah.
2: they bring in like the stage would be like on a. They bring in like a truck bed, so the stage wasn't used. And it's outdoors. It's nice to play outdoors, you know, in a tropical Uh country with nice weather and that. I liked that too, you know, just the being outdoors thing. We're not even allowed to cross the border, so I don't think so.
3: (laughs) If we can find another few house parties here. I'll, I'll be a happy man when I leave. Good stuff. That's a nice place
0: to end it. Gents, thanks very much for your time. All the best with the
2: adventures. Well, thank you too. Thanks. thanks a lot, Craig. Been it's been a pleasure.
3: To to you so uh, whatever you get, a Chance, mate, it's um, lovely to have, have the opportunity to do this. Um, it's not something I've done before.
2: A lot of things not done. We just We just did a video. I never did a video before. That was pretty cool. And Aldrin did such a good job. It actually looks like a real video.
0: It does. I mean, it's a great job, actually. You know, it's uh, part of the deal, right? You know, it's uh, you, have a <laughs> fini- you have a finished product that you can be proud of.
3: Yeah. Good memories. I you know, absolutely, pain, yes. You can look at it again. Uh, very <laughs> drunk now. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, good man. <laughs> thank you very much. No, oh, I really enjoyed this. this. it yeah, very nice. Thanks. Take care, buddy. Cheers, thanks, lads. very much.
0: Is that are you fit for a top five? Yep. Let's go
4: for
0: it. We we can mix a little bit of music and art here as well, yeah.
4: Yep, yep, cool.
0: How about a guilty pleasure?
4: Okay, so my guilty pleasure, I just I'm not I'm not even embarrassed to admit it. I just really, really like bad 90s pop music. And um, I don't even know why I'm calling it bad because I think 90s pop music was amazing. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that when I was a preteen, my favourite band of all time was e 17. But uh, I'm sorry, but I still think that they had really, really good songs. <laughs> I still listen to them today sometimes, you know. Rem- when Rem- I'm just feeling like a little bit song. nostalgic. Rem- what was
0: that? I remember them doing a Christmas song.
4: Oh um, yeah, that was the another day. But stay that you know, day, the okay. Christmas song was like you know, it was the commercial one. But they had much. They, had, I mean, he won an Ivor Novello for his writing. Did Tony Mortimer? But yeah, they had much deeper songs other than that. Like they actually had a song called Deep. They had Steam been around it just won
0: the world. <laughs> it was like, you know. <laughs>
4: They were really good, but general '90s pop music. I mean, obviously, I Take That and um, East 17 were rivals, so I mm. couldn't say that I like Take That. Me too. Yeah, bad '90s pop music. i I love '90s dance music. East 17.
0: <laughs> Anything that kind of gets you off your feet in this sense.
4: Yeah, exactly. Guilty pleasure. You your
0: feet. Yeah. Both, well, I guess. Maybe both are applicable. Depends,
4: depends Britney, but Britney. I mean, <laughs> I went to see Britney, actually, when I was pregnant with Taya, and um, it was one of the best gigs I ever went to. It was so good at Brighton Pride. Um, so, yeah, I'm not embarrassed to admit that. She's great.
0: <laughs> what phase of her career was this at? Was this before or after the hair cutting Oh moment. no! This was, was when normal, I was normal at this with Kayo
4: Okay, so this is, so quite this is like last. Yeah, this okay. is like 2018. All right. So lessons of years. She's normal again. And Brighton now? Pride. She's normal again now. Yeah, <laughs> okay. she's normal again now, and okay. she's playing all of her old hits. Um, I think she do. I don't know how recent her last song is, but you know, she played all of her old hits, which I really, really appreciated because all of the music I love is from when I was growing up, basically it's the really music 90s of the nineties yeah and that was that that same year as well we went to see bjork um in a festival in london and i absolutely loved 90s bjork but Mm -hmm. she didn't play one of her 90s (laughs) songs and she played all of her new stuff and it was really really abstract and i just couldn't get into it so i was a bit disappointed after mm, that gig yeah i was like oh i do love you i do love you but i don't really get the stuff
0: (laughs) I mean, Bjork is completely bonkers in a in a very good way, but
4: uh, yeah, I love her. I do really, really still love her. But her '90s stuff, her earlier stuff, I can get into more than her is recent stuff. Big
0: time sensuality, What's
4: yeah, it? big time sensuality. I and love the video that. Song. For that,
0: is completely mad as well. Like she's get the ball, yeah, doing all this kind of crazy. Yeah,
4: Bjork. yeah, yeah. Uh, the shoot yeah.
0: tubes are also great. The the band she started out.
4: Oh yeah, I did not know them so much. No, I don't know them. I just know her. A little stuff. more
0: conventional Icelandic indie pop.
4: Kent, yeah,
0: you know, and then be able yeah. pick it to the next level, you know. But fantastic, great yeah. choice. Who should we be listening to, Zara? What's uh, someone so, maybe, someone maybe we don't know, but you're going to share it with?
4: But the thing is, I'm a really mainstream girl, so there's not going to be anyone you don't know on my list. <laughs> Recently, the songs that I've been listening to have been songs that basically you can send Tayo to sleep. So, so you know, we listen to quite a few songs on repeat for that to happen for bedtimes. And someone who I actually didn't know before I did Teo, uh, before I had Teo, was
0: sleep deprivation's coming
4: out now. Yes, no. exactly. There, Israel is Kamako is Kamakawiwoole. Do you know him? That Hawaiian guy. He's a really big in 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 both the um, physical and the non physical sense of the right. word guy from hawaii who um i think has passed away now so he's no longer with us he did a version of somewhere over the rainbow which just is so magic at sending tayo to sleep it just always works every time and i'm sure if people heard that version they'd recognize it because i think it's been in quite a lot of like movies and tv shows and stuff but um i didn't know him as an artist beforehand and then when we started listening to him we did a bit of research on him and um He's apparently like a god in Hawaii. He's massive in Hawaii. So he, him we've been listening to, although that's, I have to say, it's mainly just that song day we've been listening to "By Your Side." That gets him to sleep. Quite interesting. That, and a,
0: a nice eclectic mix of. Uh, yeah. Before, before we <laughs> yeah. started, we were right. talking about the wheels on the bus as well, right?
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wheels on the bus—that's for playtime. He's obsessed with that song. And apart from that, like my favourite bands—I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers—is is literally are literally my favourite band of all time. Like everyone who knows me knows that. I'm a bit obsessed with them. I've been to see them twice, and I, I use their songs as well to get to, to see for the beginning, like Scar Tissue, Work to Treat. And then I also like I like songs, um, bands, like influence from my mum's generation, like Pink Floyd. My mum was a massive, massive Pink Floyd fan, and that rubbed off on me as well. Especially after we went to see the, there was an exhibition in the VA and um, on Pink Floyd a couple of years ago. I and saw it
0: in it Dortmund, was, it was here, uh, the same exhibition was here Was it? In Dortmund. Did yeah. you see it? Yeah, Angel and I went. It was so it was good.
4: Great. So that, after seeing that exhibition, I just started to really, really love them. And we actually went to see Roger Waters in concert, also when I was pregnant in 2018. So yeah, I really love them. And other uh, just an eclectic mix. I love Beyonce, I love Bjork, I love Erica Badu, Garbage, quite an eclectic mix of people I like all quite mainstream, but yeah.
0: Fantastic. I think that's quite a nice mix there. Who would you like to collaborate with, Sarah? I mean, artistically speaking?
4: (laughs) Well... It's got to be um, my fave illustrator of all time, Tove Um Although she's passed away now, so I don't think that collaboration is going to happen. But uh, <laughs> she, she, I love her work. So the
0: power's much, only you know. stretched so far, right? Yeah.
4: <laughs> does, it,
0: does, does mum and then the super mum? It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> although all, just, all mums so are super, knows. we
0: should say that old mums. Yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> Maybe you'll find a way. Her creative studio is still going. I think her family are running it now. So, you know, never say never. She is, you know, she's she's my favourite illustrator of all time. So she's got to be the one that um I'd want to collaborate with. But yeah, I have been, as I was saying before, I have been following Camille Walala a lot on what she's doing on Instagram and stuff. And she's another person who whose work I love and I think would fit and sit really nicely with my work. But I think... And as so, a, a
0: female artist yourself, do you see... Is it a predominantly male-dominated industry, or the way that the goods um, are packaged and merchandised? I mean, is it predominantly male-driven, or how, what's your perspective?
4: I don't. I don't feel like it is predominantly male-driven. You know, in the design world, when I was because I've worked, design has been predominantly what I've worked in specifically garment design. It's predominantly women, actually, um, but it, it, it's interesting because you know. Um, as with lots of industries, it might be predominantly women who are the majority of the workers. But then, if you look at the guys at the top, it's usually men. so. It's usually men who are the managers or the directors. You know, that was what something that I was I felt really refreshed at while working at Disney because they had a really a really refreshing take on. Um, diversity there you know we you know during um German, uh International Women's Week they they would host lectures and uh bring in powerful female voices to give us talks and this was all during uh work hours and they would be really really conscious of um positive hiring you know so hiring people of color hiring women um in top positions in big positions as well and I think companies need to be a lot more conscious of that because then you do end up with a kind of hierarchy where even if because you know designing uh, you know clothing design is, is stereotypically is a girly thing you know like on mm. my MA course there wasn't one guy on my course I don't think was there one guy I don't think there was one man on my course or all a bunch of women 38 women so you know it's female-led in terms of design, but then when you look at the top, um, lots of the managers, um, the CEOs of brands are guys. And obviously, um, if it's a women-dominated industry, that kind of doesn't sound right. And yeah. so something that needs to change. So there's an imbalance um, there. Yeah, exactly. So, I've, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to work with companies like Disney who, who do consciously make an effort to try and shift that, um, shift that trend. Uh,
0: go to Noribang or karaoke song?
4: Well it's gotta be Oasis because I literally used it. every time we went to a Norribank, Oasis Wonderwall or um Oasis Don't Look Back in Anger was definitely my go-to song. And I suppose it was slightly to do with homesickness as well, because you know, it's a really kind of like British indie pop tune. So yeah, Oasis was was definitely my my number one go to. And I feel like Oasis is quite easy to sing as well. Because they're not that good singers, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of. I'm like, okay
0: with whatever you're saying, it's fine, right? It's, <laughs> it's like, like,
4: of, you can not, be quite shouty with it, and it's all right. <laughs> but I think then I have to say that, um, yeah, the recent, I did go to a Noribang. I dragged a couple of um, non uh, people who, my friends from the UK who had not been to Korea before, to a Norribang in, in London, because there's a couple of them that exist. Um, for my birthday and uh, one of my friends and I uh, one of my friends who I actually call Owl um, she'll know who she is uh, we we did a rendition of um, Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights because that's just like our favourite song <laughs> and we got 100% for that and awesome. you, you know
0: it's not an easy one to pitch. sing, right? It's, exactly.
4: If you think of the pitch that you need for that song, I thought we were yeah. pretty impressed by that. So, I mean, yeah, you're doing all the
0: bad. Mad Cape Bush dancing with it oh, yeah, the same time.
4: Oh, yeah, of course. Right? Of course. That <laughs> has to
0: go hand in hand, yeah. It would be wrong not to, right?
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> we didn't a bit have of, the
4: costumes, unfortunately. Oh, we needed oh, more oh, floaty Keith costumes.
0: Heathcliff <laughs> and all that stuff, right? If oh, I yeah, Heathcliff, right. Completely bonkers. Oh, that's fine. Most overrated artist. Last question for us. Someone who you just think, nah.
4: Yeah, well, I think that's Tony. Definitely... I I don't like Travis, and like my husband is Scottish, as are you, and like he, I don't think he likes Travis either because I've never heard him play it. But like, I just find them so moany and whiny. It's just like, stop whining. It's not that bad. Like, why does it always rain on me? Like, just stop whining. This isn't the grass is greener on the other it's side. It's just. <laughs> It's unnecessary. I don't think that they 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 need to tell the world their moans and their groans.
0: <laughs> Although they've done quite well out of it, so there, there must be...
4: Well, somebody obviously lies their way moaning, but I don't.
0: <laughs> Have you ever been in the Horseshoe Bar in Glasgow?
4: No. If I did, I wouldn't remember. I've been to Glasgow a handful of times, and to be honest, every time, I can't say that I will remember the next, the, the night before.
0: You go into the Horseshoe Bar, and it's, as the name might suggest, the bar is in the shape of a horseshoe. It's a more older, traditional type of uh, place okay. It's on two or three levels. And yeah. it's it's not really changed much. And uh, there's no music, for example, when you go into the first floor. It's just people standing around talking and drinking. And behind the bar, there is a collection. There might be two or three discs. I'm not sure. It might just be the one. But it's a gold disc or a platinum disc from Fran Healy. The oh, yeah. i mentioned a uh, whiny uh, second of Travis. <laughs> And uh, yeah, he used to work there oh, in the wow. Horseshoe Bar. And that was his... Uh, so when you go into the bar, you see the one of the discs hanging right up oh, there. Oh,
4: God. People listening in that bar are going to hate me now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, they probably don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> the little skinny, whiny kid. <laughs>
4: I don't even know where they are now. What do they do? Are they still creating music? Or They'll
0: probably be no. doing a 20th anniversary tour or, yeah.
4: Yeah. A Lots of the 90s bands are doing that at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I noticed that.
0: It's when it's when it comes around again, right? When you've done it the first time round, and now you go, yeah, we'll do the reunion tour. Yeah. the basically, yeah. uh, we're skint and we need a pension tour. Yeah, so but
4: take it. that saying that though, take that. Have done pretty well out of it, haven't they? Because they kind of became famous again and got a new audience oh, well, um, out
0: of you. their little. It's an interesting story for for really only having one guy that can do anything.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's kind of yeah the the
4: the three or four yeah. other dudes
0: done quite well on the back of
4: <laughs> it's not well, it's not one just them. one guy because there's like I think at least two because Mark Mark
0: well, well, well you can two. dance a little bit yeah so that's <laughs> it, <it's>, uh, <laughs> I'm just old and I can yeah, tell,
4: tell you're not a, a pop nineties music fan.
0: oh I am but just in a just in a completely different way I mean like take yeah. that could yeah to to quote a phrase that someone told me about I asked the same question and. Uh, The guy didn't like Lenny Kravitz, which was quite funny. I mean, we're not really slagging anyone, it's just this you don't get it, right? It's this over. Yeah. And for this guy, was Lenny Kravitz, and he said to me, Yeah, Lenny Kravitz can jump off a bridge. So I was
4: like, (laughs) 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 Fair enough. Take that that
0: for me. They can go. go
4: Not literally, but yeah.
0: And then he's going, Zara, it's been fantastic spending this time with you. Yep. Uh, Any messages you'd like to leave us before we sign off?
4: I'd like everyone to...
0: To listen to this podcast, of course.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Listen to this podcast, you know, check out John Smith Studio. Well, if anybody's interested in my work or my prints, just uh, check out Instagram at John Smith Studio. And, you know, drop me a line if you want to have a conversation about the prints or the work, or if you're interested in purchasing anything or, you know, you need um, a birthday gift idea or something nice to decorate your room, just get in touch. Um, and um, I look forward to hearing from people.
0: Fantastic. Zara, it's been a pleasure.
4: Thanks, Craig. It's been really fun chatting to you. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>
0: You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Instagram at Can't Find My Way Home, on Facebook at Expat Music Pod, and of course you can find us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll find us there. Until the next one, this is Greg saying, Cheers.